If you're an American conservative, you know that the societal values we hold sacred are under attack. They are hanging in the balance. How can you protect those values? By staying informed. The closing argument will deliver news and supporting evidence you need to support and defend those values. Here's Paul Smith. Good morning. This is Paul Smith, your host of The Closing Argument. In these podcasts, we discuss some of the important but controversial moral political, and legal issues that affect us and our families today. Some of the things we discuss are not politically correct, and they may offend some of the listeners, but we must discuss them. These discussions will help us to preserve our liberties, to establish the truth, and to let the world know that there are many people who challenge some of the views that are gaining acceptance in our schools, our media, and our government, but which views are not proper. Today, we're going to talk about the recent Supreme Court case of Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization that was decided in late June 2022. This decision overturned Roe v. Wade. This decision, the Dobbs case, will go down in history as one of the most significant Supreme Court decisions of all time. Let me give you some backdrop, some background and information about what is going on right now about a month after this decision came down. The, the Democrats have decried this case as a terrible case that took away women's rights. They, they depict it as a right-wing extremist opinion. They threatened the justices in various ways, including someone recently being arrested for attempting to kill Justice Kavanaugh. And they talk about wanting to pack the court with more justices so that they can change the viewpoint of the court. The Democrats have already been successful in characterizing this decision in in negative ways and in ways that they hope will help them politically in the coming congressional elections that will take in November, uh, three or four months from now. Uh, Frankly, the conservatives need to do the same thing in order to uh, combat some of the efforts of the liberals. And I would suggest that these are this is how the Dobbs decision should be characterized. This decision corrected a terrible Supreme Court decision. It was good to recognize that the women have a right to control her body. But what they did is they extinguished the right of states to legislate in this area. The Supreme Court asserted itself as an unelected but uh, superior legislature who would dictate laws to to America. The Dobbs decision has restored democracy and democratic principles to America. And it leaves to the states and the people to to, uh, determine the bounds of the woman's right to an abortion versus the fetal right to life. This was a great decision. Now, if you listen to the the Democrat, uh, mostly Democrat view on this, uh, some of them are very effective in saying how terrible this was. Recently in Maryland, and I'm in the sixth district of Maryland, which was recently, its boundaries were redrawn so that we believe in the fall a Republican can be elected from this district. David Trone, a Democrat, is currently the the representative from this district, and he's being challenged by a good friend of mine, Neil Parrott. Neil Parrott is a staunch 
uh, right to life for the fetus uh, supporter and a, a great legislator. And and I th I think Neil will, will win it. He's it's going to be close, and I think he can win it. But what happened just five days ago uh, on Friday, June, July 22nd, David Trone convened some kind of congressional summit where he, he was joined with Senators Cardin and Van Hollen from Maryland, two Democrats like himself, and the Health and Human Sec uh, Resource Human Services Secretary uh, Becerra, and, and they had banners behind them, basically being pro-abortion. And in this televised national symposium, they decried the Dobbs decision, and and called for new legislation to correct it criticized the court, talked about perhaps uh, um, packing the court. And they also talked about legislation. They want to pass congressional legislation that would codify Roe, meaning that they would give women the right to an absolute abortion until the point of viability, which is about six months into a pregnancy. And but if, as I listened and watched this on TV, I was in New York at the time and happened to catch it on TV up there. One thing they do not talk about is the rights of the unborn children who are being aborted. They ignore them, treat them like they're nothing. And that was the problem with Roe. The Roe decision trampled on states' rights, established a law that they had no right to make, they violated the principles of stare decisis. In other words, they did not honor precedents. And before they recognized new rights that were not specified in the Constitution, they had an obligation to show that the right they were going to recognize had long been established in the history of our country, which was not the case with, abor with abortion rights. So the Dobbs case, uh, said that the Supreme Court had no authority to invalidate the Texas law, and they overturned it and returned the right to the states to determine the extent and bounds of the woman's right to privacy and, connect, and versus the fetal right to life. Now, let me just mention a couple of things uh, that the Supreme Court said, and you, I've plucked them out of the opinion, so you won't have to go through it. Regarding stare decisis, which is the court rule where the, the court is reluctant to overturn its precedents. And of course, Roe had been law for, for 49 years. So why didn't the court honor the principle of stare decisis? Well, the court said they did. This is what the court said. The stare decisis doctrine on which Roe and Casey's controlling opinion was found does not compel unending adherence to Roe's abuse of judicial authority. Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. And from the beginning, about a national consensus of the abortion issue, Roe and Casey have inflamed debate and deepened division. It's time to heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elective representatives. Now, what could be so bad about that, letting the people decide, huh? Now, the uh, opinion, I'm getting into the weeds a little bit here. The opinion of the five-judge majority, and it was a five, 
five to four, five to three decision. I'll explain that. Six judges voted to uh, support the the um, the Mississippi law that would have prevented abortions after uh, 15 weeks. Interestingly, Chief Justice Roberts agreed that the law was valid because he said the viability distinction really made no sense anyway, and he was ready to discard it. Now, the court had already discarded Roe's trimester scheme. That was done you know, 20, 30 years ago. All that was left was this viability law, which had been totally created by the court. So Justice Roberts said, yes, the Mississippi law should be invalidated, but he didn't want to invalidate the, the Roe case. He did not want to overturn Roe. But he did agree in the overall decision. But the five-judge majority based its r- ruling on saying, look, the, the rights created by Roe came through what is called the Substantive Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment. And they said that requires that before you recognize a right that isn't enumerated, you have to show that it was deeply rooted in American history. And they said it was not, that the, that the Supreme Court in 1973 disregarded that and, and was just egregiously wrong in doing that. But this, this Supreme Court still used that substantive due process analysis. Now, I mention that because Justice Thomas wishes the court would get rid of the substantive due process analysis. He said that's it's bad. We should get rid of it altogether. And I'll mention more about Justice Thomas later. Let me mention a couple of other quotes from the Supreme Court. They said this, precedents should be respected, but sometimes the court errs, and occasionally the court issues an important decision that is egregiously wrong. When that happens, stare decisis is not a straitjacket that prevents the court from correcting it. The court went on to say, we therefore hold that the Constitution does not confer a right to abortion. Roe and Casey must be overruled and the authority to regulate abortion must be returned to the people and their elected representatives. Now, the court said this about Roe and Casey. Casey was a case that came 20 years after Roe that had some modifications in Roe, minor modifications. The court said that Roe and Casey imply that the Constitution does not permit the states to regard the destruction of potential life as a matter of any significance. And they pointed out that the dissent in the Dobbs case evinces no similar regard for a state's interest in protecting premortal life. So a couple of comments. Absolutely, the dissent in Dobbs and the, and the Democratic Party today, they don't talk about the fetal right. They just ignore it as much as they can and they'll hem-haw and just disregard it when the issue comes up. But but half the country, if not more, don't feel that it's quite that simple, especially as a child apo- approaches term and is ready to be delivered. To treat that child, unborn child as if it has no rights is very repulsive to many people. It's just not right. There's something in us that recognizes the killing of that life is just 
something that's wrong. It just except in its, uh, extreme circumstances that justify it, such as the health of the mother's or her life being endangered by it, you don't lightly just extinguish that life. Now, the case was that court was really nice to the dissenters in, in this case because they said uh, Roe implies that the Constitution doesn't permit states to regard the potential human life as of any significance. Well, frankly, what the Supreme Court did is they said there is no, that, the, that a fetus is not a person within the meaning of the Constitution. Well, that's pretty, pretty bad. And that differed with what the states had done. What, why the court says that, that Roe implied this, I, I don't know. The, the court in Roe specifically distinct, destroyed the, the fetal right to life by that language. And that was egregious, in my opinion. And so the court has corrected it. So now, where does the fetal right to life stand? Depends upon the states. Full authority, apparently. Now, uh, whether it's full, I don't know, because I think the court would then have to balance the woman's right to control her body with a fetal right to life. How they would do that, I don't know. But the, but the absolute destruction of the fetal right to life that the Supreme Court did in Roe is now over. That has been overturned. A couple of other things about Roe and about what Dobbs did. Now here, so here's what the court did in Dobbs. The Supreme Court, they said, the Supreme Court does not have the power or authority to override states in the area of fetal rights and abortion. Said the Supreme Court should not have invalidated the Texas law. The Supreme Court honors federalism, which allows different states to have different rights and different resolution to these issues. Dobbs stands for the fact that the Supreme Court should not have even taken the case in 1973. They should have exercised judicial restraint. And the Supreme Court in Dobbs basically is saying that the Supreme Court is not supposed to be a super legislature, which basically becomes a dictatorship. It is not democratic and violates democratic principles. And they said uh, it was wrong in doing so. And with regard to the right of a woman to control her body that was recognized in Roe, that right was, in essence, is still there. The Supreme Court did not say there is no such right, but they left it to the states and the elected representatives to determine the boundaries as you weigh it with the right, the fetal right to life. So uh, one of my concerns from the outset was I wondered what the Supreme Court would do with the woman's right to control her body, because I definitely believe there is a right as do most people. But the right that the, was created in Roe was not an absolute right. It was a right that was limited by the state and, and by the state's interest in potential fetal life. So the, the woman never had an absolute right in this area. And now the matter just goes back to the state. So when the Democrats say that, that Dobbs has destroyed and eliminated the woman's right, it's not exactly correct. They, uh, they prevented the federal government, the federal court, from determining what that right is and its parameters. They put back to the states 
and their legislatures the power to determine its bounds and means. Now, one of the questions about Dobbs now is what will its impact be for the future? Uh, a couple of things. The debate between fetal rights and the woman's right to an abortion is certainly not over. It will be as intense, if not more intense than ever, and it will be fought uh, in, in the state legislatures. Uh, so the importance of the book I wrote, The Fetal Right to Life Argument, which you can get on my website, cpaulsmith.com, that is just as important as ever. And it can help people as they address this issue. The other uh, con concern that many have about Dobbs is that this will lead to the overturn of the Lawrence and Obergefell cases. Lawrence, I think, was 2000 and four or five, I forget. And Lawrence case said that there is a fundamental liberty of people to engage in private consensual sex, uh, whether it's heterosexual or, or um, homosexual. That was that right. And then Obergefell, which I think was 2015, the Supreme Court said that same-sex marriage is, should be allowed in every state. So there is concern that these two cases are now in jeopardy. Uh, and I would have to say rightly so, because this, some of the same principles uh, that required Roe to be overturned were used wrongly by the Supreme Court in Lawrence and Obergefell. So uh, uh, Justice Thomas encourages the court to revisit those cases as well as the Griswold case, which was the right of a married couple to have a contraception. Uh, but the Supreme Court majority opinion says, no, any, anyone who thinks that this opinion is signaling any intent to, to review these cases is wrong, even though Justice Thomas says, I wish they would. But the majority opinion says, no, that we are not intending to do that. They said, what was present in Roe, which was so egregious and which was just totally steamrolled over by the court, was the right of a fetus to continue living, or as the court called it, uh, the right of the state to protect potential human life. And, and the court says, because of these very serious and important rights that Roe just trampled upon, it was it was necessary to review and, and eventually overturn Roe. They said these, these circumstances do not apply to either Lawrence or Obergefell. So I presume that that means they're not about to, um, you know, to, to re review those cases. But I would say, how about this? In terms of the future, what about transgender rights, which are uh, a big issue right now? And I would say this, it is clear to me from what the court is saying in Dobbs, that they, the court would leave this determination to the states as well. And they would, I think they would uh, object and oppose to the Supreme Court's entering into the fray and establishing uh, transgender rights. And that is a big issue. I just saw on TV yesterday, someone had a definition of, of, um, of what male and female is and, and it, what was being taught in a like a like a third grade class i think as i remember on tv was someone who says that there are that that people are either male or female they are wrong 
because they're male or females, but then there's all these other options. I object to that teaching uh, that is pandering to a very narrow and small group of people who have issues and, and concerns. And it, it is a, an instrument that will hurt my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren from preparing to have happy and fulfilling lives. Uh, people who begin to, to challenge their own gender and deny that, that there's any divine role in, in what you're born with, but that just based on some subjective feeling, you can you should go ahead and try to change. I am concerned about that. And, and uh, there may be weird cases where it might require some unusual uh, dealings, but, but for 99.9% .9 of the human race, uh, encouraging people to challenge their biological gender, I think will cause serious and lasting problems. And uh, so I, I don't want the Supreme Court to get a weird majority of activists in there to resolve that question. Um, now, let me turn back again to Justice Roberts' uh, concurring opinion. Again, his, his decision, his opinion here was very significant. Now, remember, this opinion was released a couple of months before uh, it was a, a, an early draft was released, which has never happened before. So one of my questions has always been, how is Justice Roberts going to going to rule on this case. Where is he going to go? And I wondered whether he would join with the majority because I, I figured they, they would indeed overturn Roe. So it turns out he, he tried to split hairs and declined to get with the five justices who wanted to overturn Roe. Instead, he says, look, uh, I believe the viability rule should be discarded, but uh, I wouldn't overturn Roe. Historically, I think Roberts is going to be seen as a weakling because once you destroy the viability standard that was being used to say when you could begin to protect fetal right, basically you totally destroyed Roe. And, and uh, there was nothing uh, at that point, if you're going to say the viability isn't the right standard, th there was no reason to hang on to Roe. Uh, and uh, so I think the history is going to show him as a soft and a weakling. One other matter that needs to be discussed is the current effort in Congress to codify Roe. And in this regard, now it's to the end of July 2022, the House has passed Bill H.R. 3755, which would codify Roe in, in that it would enact a law that, that uh, protects a woman's right to, to have an abortion up to the time of viability. Um, but the Senate has not yet passed that, and whether they will, we don't know. The thinking is they would not be able to get by the filibuster rules, and so they wouldn't be able to enact that. But even if the Senate did pass such a law, the question is, would the Supreme Court uphold the law? And I don't think they would, because it, Congress would be, in essence, trying to override the rights of the state to legislate in the areas of abortion and fetal rights. And the very essence of the Dobbs decision is that that is a matter of states and, and personal rights, that the federal government doesn't have the right to do that. 
One case that I believe would be used to support this uh, determination is the, the Morrison, United States versus Morrison case from the year 2000, when the Supreme Court struck down the Violence Against Women Act. Now, nobody on the court supports violence against women, but the Supreme Court said this was legislating by the federal government in an area that would belong to the states, and they said it was not proper. And for that reason, not because they disagreed with the goals of the Violence Against Women Act, they just struck it down. And I think the same would happen if this law ever were to pass through Congress. Of the early release of the Dobbs decision about two or three months before it actually officially came out, uh, there's no evidence that the justices, any of the justices changed their votes. They may have, I don't know. It, whatever, uh, it did not prevent the court from overturning Roe, even though the early release of that opinion did incite some protests and, and a lot of uh, democratic uh, angst. Um, the Supreme Court uh, apparently was not intimidated by this and did what they were planning to do. So in summary, the Dobbs case, again, which will be one of the most important cases in the history of this nation, I believe, for a long time. What it did is it restored democratic principles to our nation. It rebuked the court from being a super legislator that can pronounce laws about new rights, which both give new rights and extinguish others. This court reprimanded the court for that. And it returns to the people to determine the bounds of, of rights, especially rights in competing situations, such as in the abortion case, where you have a woman's right to control her body pitted against the right of the unborn child within her. So Roe was an egregious case. Dobbs corrected it. So the, the debate will continue. People will continue to demonize the court and criticize them for that. In my opinion, the Supreme Court at this point in time has never been better, uh, better in its views, uh, more correct in its views of the Constitution in my lifetime. And I'm grateful for the Dobbs case. So that will conclude our discussion for today. Thank you for joining us. Remember that the liberties we enjoy in America can be maintained only when its citizens are moral and informed participants in the democratic processes. The closing argument can help all of us to make this happen. See you next time. This is Paul Smith.